0: From Parkway Church in Karana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. All this uh, month we've been talking about letting go. Letting go of the things that hold us back and weigh us down from getting to the next level in our faith journey. And we've looked at a number of things, and I don't know about you, but most people around this time of year, as we start looking ahead to the the new year, we start reflecting on on the previous year, and we start setting resolutions, right? How many of you are resolution people? You've already set your resolution. You got plans, you got goals, you got a list, you know, you got things you're thinking of. Some of you are like, no way, I've given up on that a long time ago. Well, part of moving forward in our faith means letting go of some things that are holding us back. And 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 one of those things that we're gonna talk about today, and we're gonna end our, our discussion on is letting go of our past. Letting go of our past as we approach a brand new year, a brand new decade as we say goodbye to a year, say goodbye to a decade. We're going to look at the past and say, what do we need to let go of? What do we need to close the door to in order to move forward? Here's the key point for you. The main takeaway says this. Although you can't change your past, God can change your future. And, and write that down. Because some of you are going to, like, drift off into, you know, fairy tale land in a moment. Because that's just who you are. But if you get nothing from today, take that away. Although you can't change your past, God can change your future. You know, again, we reflect on the past at this time of year, or we like to reflect often. I don't know if you ever get together with friends. I have a couple friends that I get together every six months or so. We live in different places, and we just meet up at kind of relatively central, central location, and we just see how things are going in our lives and where everyone's at, and then we often reminisce in the, in the past, the good times, the good memories, you know, the things that happened, and we laugh about it. You know, we, we get together with family around the holidays as well. And maybe you look back on, we're, we're trying to put together, I say we, but my wife is trying to put together photo books for our children just so they can, we can look back and see how they've grown over the years. We like to look back, right? You know, as a church, I look back over this year and see the things that have happened this year. We've seen, we've seen 11 baptisms this year. That's amazing. For, for, for our church, that's amazing. We know of at least 12 decisions for people to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's the ones that i have told us. Yeah, come on, you can clap for that. That's, you know, the Bible says there's more celebration over one, over one that gives their life to Jesus. We've seen at least 26 guest cards filled out, but we've had many people come. We've seen visions set forward and implemented, and a lot of you have taken hold of. When we look to our past as a church, we celebrate, and we get excited But there are some things that we'd like to stay in the past, right? Maybe you made really bad gravy one Christmas year, and your family doesn't like to let you live it down, and they keep reminding you of that gravy. Maybe you made a really bad joke in a sermon one day like me, and those comfortable enough like to remind you often of that joke. The funny thing about our past is that it doesn't always stay in the past, but the thing about that is some of it isn't so funny. Maybe you made a a poor financial decision and you are living in regret every day. Maybe you betrayed a spouse and no matter how many steps you take to move forward, you can't move forward. Maybe you have a bit of a temper problem and you said something to a loved one and you immediately regretted it and they'll never forget it. Maybe for you it's that maddening, reoccurring cycle of sin you keep saying, I won't do it, I won't do it, but then you do it again. Maybe it's the expectations you had for yourself years ago and how your life would look, but then you look at your life today and it's nothing like you expected. If, for anyone, if anyone understood this, I believe it was Peter, one of Jesus' disciples found in Luke chapter 22. See, Peter had some really good moments. The most prominent one that I think of is when he walked on water. There was a point in Peter's life when he was so focused on God, so focused on Jesus, that he defied the laws of gravity and stepped foot on water and didn't sink. That's a good moment, right? You know you're focused on God when you can walk on water, right? But then Peter also had some some other moments happen. You know, at the last supper, the, the last meal that Jesus would share with his closest disciples, Jesus, before Jesus would be betrayed and crucified, he said, some of you will deny me and some of you will desert me. Now, Peter's the kind of guy, bold enough, courageous enough, audacious enough, that stood up and says, no way, that's not going to happen. I walked on water. I walked on water, there's no way. And he actually says this in Luke chapter 22, he says, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And then if you know the story, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, before the night is over, and the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. The night goes on. Jesus is arrested. He's brought before the high priest. And Peter follows at a distance, right, to prison and to death. He had expectations. It's the middle of the night. Some had started a fire in the courtyard to keep warm. Peter, like anybody, we're attracted to fires, right? We're like flies. We're attracted to a bonfire. Let's go and warm ourselves up. He warms himself by the fire, and there's a little girl there. He says, hey, you're one of them. He doesn't say, yes, to prison and to death. He says, woman, I don't know him. Later on, someone else saw him and says, you're one of them. No, I'm not. Man, I don't know him. It says about an hour later, a third person recognized his accent. It says, you got to be with him. You're Galilean. But Peter's response was, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And then here's what it says in Luke chapter 22, verse 61. It says, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Come on, imagine that moment. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows, today you will disown me three times. And then Peter went outside and wept bitterly. So imagine that. You've walked with Jesus for three years. You're a disciple. You're a Jewish disciple of a a Jewish rabbi, which meant you spent almost every waking moment with this person for three years. You've seen miraculous things being performed. You've You've seen wonders, and you've seen things that... Other people are like, that's impossible Happened before your very eyes. You saw, you saw Jesus take a few loaves and some fish and break it, and it just kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going until you had more at the end than you did at the beginning. You've seen all these things. You walked on water. You're having a last meal with Jesus. Just before he's arrested, you're like, man, I've seen so much. This guy's the king. I'm going to prison and to death with you. No way am I going to deny you. No way am I going to desert you. And then this all unfolds, and this all happens. You've denied him, and he's staring right at you. How would you feel if you were Peter? Guilt, what did I just do? What did I just do? Like the realization moment is the moment that the rooster crows, and Jesus' head turns, and his eyes look at you. What did I just do? Shame, what if the other's here? What if the others hear about this? What if somebody finds out that I denied Jesus when I said I'd go to death with him? Regret? Can't take this back now. So maybe you haven't had that look from Jesus, but maybe you've had that look from somebody else. That spouse that you betrayed, the loved one, you said those choice words to Someone you should have stood up for, but you didn't. The person you talked about at work hoped they wouldn't find out, but then they found out. It's the thing you did that every Christmas you're reminded of. See, while we can't go to our past, our past has a way of reminding us of the things we've done. Reminds us of what we did. And the devil likes that. The devil says three things about our past. The first thing he says, this is you're unforgivable. You didn't do enough. You didn't do enough or you did too much. And he points out our failure and he turns up the guilt. And so we're like, man, I shouldn't have done that. shouldn't have drank too much. I shouldn't have worked too much. I shouldn't have stolen, but I did. Second thing he says, he says you're unlovable. If people find out what you did, they wouldn't like you. If people really knew that you had spiritual doubt, they wouldn't love you. If they knew what happened... When you stepped away from this church, they wouldn't treat you the same. You're not lovable. He says you're unforgivable. He says you're un- unlovable. And then he says you're useless. He says you're useless. He's like, you think that all the mistakes you made, that God can use you? Look at all the mistakes you've made. You think that God's going to heal your body? Look at all you've done with your body. You think you're going to be part of a healthy family? Look at what you did to your own family. That's what the devil does. He likes to whisper reminders of our our past, but here's the problem. If we can't let go of our past, we can't take hold of our future. If we can't let go of the past, we can't take hold of the future that God has for us. The good news is Jesus doesn't leave us in our past. The good news is that Jesus doesn't just let us stay in our past. He actually comes to us in spite of our past, and we see this modeled in the story of of Jesus. after, Jesus, after Peter denied Jesus, Peter deserted him. He disowned him. He deserted the call. Remember, he said, on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus returned to Peter. Jesus didn't wait for Peter to come back. When Jesus died and he rose again, he didn't wait and say, okay, let's see if this guy comes back and just, you know, confesses that he denied me. On the moment that I was going to get crucified, let's see if he comes back and makes things right. He doesn't do that. It says that after Jesus died, the disciples actually went back to what they were doing before. They just spent three years walking with Jesus, learning from Jesus, ministering with Jesus, being empowered by the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. And then after Jesus died, it says they they went back to fishing. They were back. You know, we can do that sometimes if things don't turn out the way we think. Things aren't going, we're trying to move forward, and, and things aren't turning out the way we expect as we just go back to habits, We go back to the past. And so they're back on their fishing boats, and it says that Jesus appeared to them on the shore. So imagine the scene. They're they're a little bit distance away, enough that there's calling, right? They can call between a person on the shore. So they're fishing, and they're not catching anything. And a man appears on the shore, and he says, hey, you guys caught anything? You know, we would do that sometimes. Maybe you're on a dock or a pier. You walk by someone who's fishing a little bit. You catch anything yet? No, we're not catching anything. The fish aren't biting. I'm not a fisherman. I don't know the terminology, right? Whatever it is you you fishermen say. Some of you know. Do you catch anything yet? No. And Jesus says, they don't know it's Jesus yet. He says, turn your nets to the other side of the boat. Now, I don't know much about fishing. (coughs) But I would imagine that I'd be like, hey, doesn't he know that the fish that are on this side of the boat are the same kind of fish that are on that side of the boat? There's no wall in between the two sides of the boats that are dividing the fish. Like, does this guy know what he's talking about? But sure enough, they do it anyway. They're like, okay, so they cast their nets on the other side of the boat, and the Bible says that they catch so much fish that they can't haul it back into the boat. And one of the disciples recognizes in that moment, it's the Lord. It's John. He says, it's the Lord. And What does Peter do? Peter does what he did before. He got out of the boat in the middle of the water. He didn't walk on water this time. He dove into the water and he swam to shore and he swam to Jesus. And now we don't know what happened. We don't know the conversation. I imagine how awkward would Peter have felt. You never have that, you ever do something to someone the, the next conversation is always really awkward and uncomfortable? Like what was Peter feeling? Was, he still feeling? was he still feeling guilt and shame and regret? I know that he was excited enough to, to find Jesus, and so all we know is that this story goes on. They're eating breakfast together. In John chapter 21. They're eating breakfast together, and it says, this, it says this in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he says, Simon, son of John. You know, you know when you're a kid and you do something wrong and your parents use your full name? Or you parents know that when your kids do something wrong and you use their full name? Like I do that with my kids when I'm really upset with them. I don't say Joshie because we call him Joshie. When we don't call him Josh or Joshua. We call him Joshie. I don't say Joshua or Joshie when I'm upset with him. I say Joshua Jacob. And, and the finger gets in there too. So that's what I was taught as a young age. You get your finger in there. <laughs> Joshua Jacob. Or I, I don't say Eli. I say Elijah Edward. And I, use my, I raise my voice a little bit. Because we know that something usually follows that when we're in trouble. What did you do? You need to be more responsible, young man, you know. You need to apologize right away. So what's going through Peter's head? What's going through Peter's head? This is the first conversation we have record of that they're, that they're talking about. It says, Simon, son of John. What's going through Peter's head? What's Jesus going to say? You should be ashamed of yourself. I told you you were going to deny me, and you didn't even try. I was right there, and you still said those things. Not only once, but three times. Is, is that what's going through Peter's head? Oh, man, I'm in trouble now. Simon, son of John. This is the Lord speaking, right? He just died and rose again, right? He was dead and now he's alive. You know it's serious business. What's he going to say? And he doesn't say any of that. He doesn't, he doesn't make him feel guilty. He doesn't point out some shame. He doesn't make him feel regret. says this, do you love me? Simon, son of John, says, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, son, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? See, Jesus didn't just ask him once. He asked him three times. Now, if you know the story, I, I, I sometimes think, did, did Peter remember that he denied Jesus three times? Is he putting a connection together in this moment? Like thinking, oh my goodness, he's asking me three times. What we do know is that after the third time that Jesus asked him, Peter was hurt. Peter was actually hurt. His feelings got hurt. It says, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. See, Jesus could have ignored it. Let's just just leave it alone. I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. He could have yelled at him. He could have put him in his place. He could have said, you need to do this, this, and this, and make amends. But he didn't. He just kindly addressed it, even though it hurt Peter's feelings. And that made me think, you know what? God is more concerned about lasting healing for you than he is your short-term feelings. Jesus is not afraid to hurt your feelings if it means that it's going to heal you and set you up moving forward. He understands that when you have a wound, you've got to clean it out. I'm trying to teach my kids this, that when they get a little cut, we've got to clean it. We've got to clean it and we've got to bandage it up and it's going to sting a little bit. It's going to hurt a little bit, but it's going to be better in the long run. And they have a hard time grasping that, that the pain, the momentary pain that they're going to feel in this moment is actually going to set them up to a better, lasting healing. Jesus understood that. I need to address Peter in this moment. I'm going to do it kindly. I'm going to do it lovingly, but I need to address him. It's going to hurt his feelings a little bit. Don't be upset when Jesus hurts your feelings, when, you, when, when, when maybe you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon you because something happened. Because God is more concerned about your future. God is more concerned about your character. He's more concerned about you moving forward in faith, in your faith journey, than he is about your feelings getting hurt. So he does it pretty kindly. So how do we let go of our past? Because although we can't change our past, God can change our future. And if we don't let go of our past, we won't take hold of of our future. So how do we let go of our past so that we can step into the future that God has for us? Two very simple actions for you. Number one is close the door to your past. If I had a physical door here, I'd close it right now for a symbolic effect. Close the door to your past. And you do that by recognizing this and accepting this, that God's grace is bigger than your sin. I remember one time I'm putting my boys to sleep, I think it was Eli when he was maybe about three or four, and we were were praying that God would protect him and watch over him because kids are often afraid more at night than they are during the day, you know, so we're asking that God would protect us by sending angels to the windows and the doors and all over the house so that no boogeyman can come in, you know, and and, I, and we're, we do this, we do this often, and I remember this one time with Eli, we were having this conversation, I said, did you know that God is bigger than all the things that you're afraid of? And it was like this, he forgets it now, but it's like this moment of, like, realization, he's bigger than my fears? He's bigger than the scary monster? He's bigger than what I'm afraid of? And there was, like, a smile of joy that came on his face because he realized and I think the same needs that, we need that same kind of realization that God is bigger than your sin, that his grace for you is bigger than your sin, that his grace for you is bigger than your past, than your mistakes, than your hurt, and then your pain. And how do I know this? First John chapter 1 tells me. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, being God, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Notice that it doesn't say that if you beg, if you beg, if you feel shame and guilt, and if you, if you, if you do this, and, and if you stay away from God for a while, he'll forgive you and cleanse you. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that as if you inflict some pain on yourself, maybe avoid church for a while, that God will forgive you and cleanse you. It says if you confess your sins to him. You know, we're trying to teach our boys. Joshua's having a little bit of an issue with lying lately. And so we're trying to teach them that if you're honest about it, there's less consequences. You know, if you come and tell us, there might be some consequences depending on what you do, but it's going to be better. It's going to be better, buddy. But when you lie about it and when you hide it, because we know he's four, he's not getting away with it, right? Like, we know everything that happened before he even knows it happened. But if we confess our sins to God, the Bible says that he is faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. See, our standing with God is, not de- is determined on our relationship with him and not a, not a set of rules that we've broken. Right? He's not looking and say, you broke the rules, Peter. You broke the rules. You need to make sure you do X, Y, and Z. Make sure you do this for me. Make sure you stay away from a little bit. I got, you got to feel guilty. You don't feel guilty. You got to feel a little bit more guilt, a little bit more shame. You got to have regret for a while, and then maybe I'll consider. He did not say that because based on relationship, I love you, Peter. I love you. I care about you. You're my child, you're my child. And so my, your standing with me isn't based on the rule that you've broken. It's based on the relationship that we have. But you don't get it, Pastor Call. I've lived a lie. I've cheated. I've stolen. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I do when I leave these, this church, when I leave this room. I've walked away from God. I've done too much with my body. I've had an abortion. I've made the wrong deal. Do you know what? I probably don't get it. But I look at the conversation that Peter had with Jesus. Peter says this to Jesus. He says, when Jesus asked him the third time, Peter says, Lord, you know all things. Jesus knows what you did. God knows what you've done. He knows the mistake you've made. He knows the mistakes you've made. He knows everything. He knows the deal that you made. He knows what you said to your spouse. He knows what you said to your kid. He knows how you treated your coworker. He knows everything that happens when you walk out these doors. He knows it all. He's like Santa, but better. You know, you know I sometimes think they got that from, from the scripture. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. But do you know what the difference is between Santa and Jesus? Santa will give you a lump of coal if you've been naughty, but Jesus will forgive you if you confess your sins and give you his kingdom, and give you eternal life. He's like, I don't want you to have a lump of coal. I want you to have all my blessings. Jesus is better than Santa. There's the message right there. (laughs) You know all things, Lord, Peter says. You know all things. He knows it all, and he still offers forgiveness. But do you know what we do when we hold on to our past? It's kind of like saying, do you know what? The thing that I've done is stronger than what Jesus can do for me. When we hold on to our past mistake, our regret, our shame, or guilt, our sin, it's like saying, do you know what? The power of this thing is more powerful than the cross. The power of this sin is more powerful than what Jesus did for me. And can I just say to you, if you're that person, you're holding on to something because you don't think that God can conquer what what you're dealing with, is that your God picture is a little too small. What you believe about God is not true. Who you believe God to be is not true. Because his grace is sufficient. His grace will cover it. It's bigger than your sin. It's bigger than your hurt. It's bigger than your mistake. And do you know what I think God says when people are like, man, I, I'm too evil. I've done too much. God can't forgive me. He just smiles like, like I do towards my four-year-old son when he's in trouble. And I'm like, buddy, you don't even get it, that how much I love you. Like, you don't even understand how much I care about you. What was Peter expecting? And then Jesus offers forgiveness and restoration. If you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Do you know what? You are not what you've done. You are, you are not what you've done or what you feel. You are who God says you are, and he says that you're a child and that you're forgiven in him. So close the door. Close the door. And simply accept that his grace is bigger than fill in the blank. What is that for you? What is the blank for you? God's grace is bigger than my addiction. God's grace is bigger than what I said to my spouse. God's grace is bigger than how I've treated my family. God's grace is bigger than what I'm doing behind closed doors. God's grace is bigger than whatever it is. And then close the door. And the number two is step into your future. You close the door, and then you step into your future. See, God saves us from our past so that we can step into our future. He saves us from the sin, from the hurt, so we can step into what he has for us. Why? Because God is in the business of using imperfect people to impact his imperfect world. People like to say, well, I don't know if God can use me. You're the perfect person. Have you read anybody in the Bible? You look at all the people throughout the scriptures. They're imperfect people, make huge mistakes, and God uses for his kingdom and for his glory. God is in the business of using imperfect people to impact an imperfect world. See, Peter messed up, and then he has this, this moment with Jesus, and Jesus doesn't make him feel guilty. Jesus, Jesus doesn't make him feel shame or regret. He forgives him, and then more, he points him to his calling. He says, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then love my people. Do you love me? Yes? Then take care of my people. Since So maybe for you, you're a single parent. And you know what it's like to battle that alone and to struggle with that. Well, maybe God can set you up to use you to, to love somebody who's in a similar position. So God saves you from your past to set you up for your future. God saves you from your sin to set you up for, for your future. So maybe for you, you, you know what it's like to struggle with abuse, to struggle with alcohol abuse or, or, or drug abuse or addiction. God can save you from your past to help you or to, to use you to help somebody in that position. Maybe for you, you know what it's like to grow up in a home without love. You know what it's like to feel empty inside every single day because you don't know if your parents actually truly love you. Well, God can save you from that and use you to show love in your family. God saves us from our past so we can step into our future. Peter had to take a step. Peter had to close the door to what he did, and he had to take the step. Notice that, that Jesus doesn't feed the sheep for Peter. He doesn't say, Peter, come alongside me once again as I feed the sheep. He doesn't say, Peter, I'm going to feed the sheep. I want you by my side while I do it. He says, Peter, go and feed my sheep. Go and take care of my people. I'm not going to flick the switch for you. I'm not going to do it for you. I'm going to give you the action to take, and you need to take the step." And that's what God does for us. He says, we need to close the door. Confess your sins to me. Come to me. My grace is sufficient to cover that all. Close the door. Yes, it's there. Yes, your past is there, but I'm bigger than that. Close the door so that we can step into the calling I have for you. What is the calling? What's the action step that he's calling you to? Take the step. I'm going to invite the worship team to come, and I want to tell you about a, a story I heard of a guy named Zach. Zach was growing up in in a home when he grew up in a home that was full of addiction. And there was so much addiction in Zach's home that he thought it was normal. He thought it was normal and so at a very young age in early high school he began drinking with his father to be accepted, to be loved. He didn't feel love in his home to such a degree that he thought if I drank with my father then maybe he'll love me. Soon Zach became an addict, an an alcoholic with his father. When, when high school was coming to a close and he finally graduated, he didn't just graduate from high school. He graduated from alcohol and he moved on to, to harder substances. Started using drugs and then hard drugs and then IV kind of drugs. And then it landed him in jail. And for a long time, the story goes, I read it this week, that he knew he needed help. He knew he needed help. He knew he needed to change, but nothing would change. Until so one day, his little sister sat him down and said, Zach, I don't want to lose my big brother. And that was the day that Zach realized that he he wanted change. He wanted help. And so he checked himself into a rehab program, into a treatment center. And part of the program was to attend a church. And as he attended that church, he encountered Jesus and it changed his life. And he recognized that I need to close the door to my past in order to step into my future by making Christ the center of my life. And in order for me to to close the door and to step into, I gotta make him the center of my life. So that started a life change for for Zach about four or five years ago. Since then, he's been clean. And now, one day, as Zach was sitting in the rehab house, God spoke to him, and he says that God said, I want to break the cycle of addiction in your family by, by ending it with you. And I want to use you to help make that change in others. Save him from his past to help him step into his calling. So now Zach runs a rehab house for young men overcoming addictions four or five years later. God uses imperfect people to to impact an imperfect world and his qualifications are not a perfect past. But the presence of a relationship with God in in your life. says to Peter, do you love me? Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you denied me at my moment. We locked eyes. Do you love me? Yes, it's the center of his life. Yes, you're the center of my life. Then go and feed my sheep. I want to take care of my people. Can I ask you a question this morning? As we end 2019, as we look ahead to 2020, what is God calling you to? Sometimes we're always looking at the past that we have a hard time looking to the future. But just pause for a moment. Don't look at the past mistake don't look at what you've done, don't look at where you've been, don't look at any of that. Look ahead. What is God calling you towards? I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 13 in this room or 83. What is God calling you towards? When you look ahead at 2020, what is God calling you towards in 2020? What is God calling you to step into in 2020? Some of you already know it. You've had the conversation with Jesus where he said feed my sheep. He's told you what it is. Some of you may not know, but I can tell you one thing. He's got a call for your life. He's got a purpose. He saves you from your past to set you up. And so the calling he has for you. Some of you are already there. You know what I'm talking about. You're on the other end. You're walking in the calling. You're like, "Amen, brother. I know that. I'm there." What is God calling you towards? Here's what I want us to do today. Before you leave today, there are sticky notes at the end of this aisle, at the end of this aisle. I want you to take a sticky note before you leave today. Just grab one on your way out. And I want you to write down what you believe God is calling you towards. If you don't know what it is, just write down God's call. And then what I want you to do is I want you to stick that on the door of your house or whatever is door that you leave every morning so that every single day... When you get up and you go to work, or you go to school, or you go to coffee, or whatever it is you do throughout that day, you can recognize that you're not going to work, and you're not going to school, and you're not, and you're not going out for coffee, but you're stepping into God's call, right? It's, it's again, it's, it's symbolic. We just saw some baptisms today. They're symbolic, an outward expression of an inward change. That's what this is. It's a, it's a I'm seeing God's call as I walk out these doors. I'm stepping into my future. I'm stepping away from my past and I'm stepping into my future. What is God calling me towards? But in order for that to happen, there needs to be change. In order for you to step into what God's calling you towards, in order for you to step into your future, you have to close the door to the past. You have to let go of the past. Can't hold on to it. You know, if I hold on to the railing in my house and I try to walk out the door, it's not going to work. Sometimes my kids hold on to my hand, right? Daddy, don't go! I have to let go. I'm not letting go of my kid forever, right? Just for the day, just for a couple hours. But I have to let go. I have to let go in order to take the step. You know, when Peter was in the boat, and Jesus was on the shore, John yells out, it's the Lord! He had to let go of the boat in order to go to shore. If he clinged to the boat, if he clinged to his past, if he said, you know, I can't see him because of what I've done. He would have never been restored and a calling would have never been placed on his life. And we wouldn't know Peter as we know him today. But because he was willing to let go of the boat, let go of the past and say, it is more important that I go and meet with Jesus right now than what I've done to Jesus. He was restored. He was forgiven. He restored and set up. So what is the thing that you need to let go of? I know it's the end of the year and it's gimmicky and we're beginning a new year, but what is the thing that you need to close the door to in 2019? What is the thing you need to let go of? Maybe it's something physical. Maybe it's just a mental roadblock for you. Maybe it's shame, maybe it's guilt, maybe it's regret. That You just need to say, okay, I'm closing that door. Lord, I did that, I made mistakes, forgive me. And the Bible says that He is faithful and just to forgive, make him the center of your life, and then you can step into the future he has for you. So here's what I want us to do just before we leave today. I'm gonna pray, but if that's you today, you have something, you're like, I, I gotta let go of something in my past, and I wanna step into the call that God has for me. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to come forward, and we're just gonna say a simple prayer, and then we're gonna be dismissed. Does anybody want you know, anybody wanna close the door to their past today? Can I just say I got some stuff in my past I got to close the door to? It's not just one thing. I got some stuff. Does anybody want to step into the future God has for them? I do. Anybody. Few of us. God has a call for your life. There's a reason that you exist. 2020 is not just a year for you. There's a purpose for that year for you. God has a reason for that year for you. You're still here, which means there's purpose. There's breath in your lungs. And you're like, it's not very much breath. But there's still breath. He has a reason for 2020. So if that's you today, you're like, I want to close the door to my past and I want to step into my future. Or you're like, I've already closed the door to my past, but I want to step into God's call for my life. I just want you to come forward. Just fill this space and we're going to pray. Right now, you can come right now. I just wanna say a simple prayer. This is the action. This is you getting out of the boat to meeting the Lord on the shore. I wanna close the door and I wanna say hello to a new 2020. Can I just say something to you? Peter's story is not Peter's story. Your story is not your story. Sorry, it's God's story. It's not about Peter's mistake, it's about Jesus' victory. It's not about your past mistake, your regret, your failure, your mess-up. It's not about your past. It's about God's victory. And that's what we're claiming hold to this morning. No longer is it about my story, but it's His story. No longer is it my story, but it's His story. So I close the door to the past, and I say hello to the future. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just pray that you would give us strength in this moment, God, to close the door to whatever it is, God, and you see every person here. You got, you know those who have even stepped foot to the front but, but are in the same position, God. We got things that we're holding on to. We got things that we need to let go of, God. Maybe that's Maybe that's regret because of a mistake or something that was said or done, Father God. Maybe that's shame or maybe that's guilt. Maybe it's sin, Lord. You know. You know it all. And so in the name of Jesus, would you give us the strength to just close the door, to make you the center of our life, God, to confess our sins to you so that we can receive, God, the calling you have for our life. so we can step into the future that you have for us. So in the name of Jesus, we commit this moment, saying goodbye to whatever it is. Yes, it's there. I can't change the past, but God can change my future. I can't change what I've done, but Lord, you can change the future. So in the name of Jesus, give us the strength Give us the power, give us the vision, give us the clarity to go and pursue the call that you've placed on our lives. In Jesus' name, and as we've seen throughout, I know our, our brother Bob was praying this, Father God. We talked about it this morning, Lord, in our, in our rally and in, in the prayer huddle, Father God, that it's, it's not about our ability. It's about your strength and your power in us. So Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, would you fill every person who wants to get a hold of their future would you fill every person with the power and the ability to do so? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.